0: Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Worship is such a foundational aspect of who we are. Not just on Sunday, but we're called to be worshippers. There's something really unique about worship in this place. And I know I'm biased, but I, I do sense that it was part of the DNA calling of this church. It was prophesied years ago when we had anything but a worship team. In fact, I don't even know how the angels came some weeks. But, but there's something in the calling of this church for worship. And as you see, we've had over the last number of months, our own songs begin to emerge. We're in the process of producing our first CD, which is exciting. But uh, worship's integral in this church. And people come in from other places, sometimes unsaved or saved, And they don't have a reference point for what's taking place here. And it can be daunting. People can misunderstand it. Because by and large, worship across the church has been devotional. But it's missed the point of being prophetic and apostolic. And so people who are used to a devotional type worship lifestyle who come into this place find it at times aggressive and in your face confrontational, uh, and they don't have a reference for it. So part of this message is to help you understand. And often God does something, and it's a bit like Peter. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He experienced it, then he got a reference for it. And so often in our spiritual life we'll do this, we'll experience it, and later on God says, this is what you've experienced. So I'm hoping today to put legs or a reference point on what God is doing. So you get it, but also once we get it, it will help others who come in to this place because we're not going back to where we were. We'll be wise in how we do it, but this is who we are. Acts 12 is an amazing passage of Scripture that unlocks keys of worship that give us a city. And part of the calling of this church is not just worship, but it is to transform a city. Transforming a city is not just people getting saved, although that's an important part. It's the changing of a culture. That's what transforms a city. Where the mountain of the Lord becomes a chief mountain over all the mountains. So our worship is integral in opening up city doors for, for the restoration of a city. The city can't be transformed unless the war is won over the gates of the city. You can't transform a city any other way. It's a spiritual thing. And we're going to see that as we look at Acts 12. Now, when you read the book of Acts, essentially every chapter, you know, give or take, is a year after the resurrection of Jesus. So when we get to Acts 12, we're 12 years on from the resurrection. And 12, as you know, is the number of government, of rule, you know, there's 12, there's 12 hours of the sun and the moon, there's 12 disciples, 12 apostles so we know that when we get to this Acts 12, 12 years on from the resurrection, God's going to show us something to do with the governmental structure of churches and cities and nations does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. okay, is this still ringing? Yeah. No. just a fraction, okay so let's read, because this is amazing we're actually going to read most of the chapter in little bits so we don't overwhelm you. Acts 12. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And he killed James the apostle, the brother of John, with the sword. So we see straight away that there's this demonic spirit that comes against the apostolic. And that's what we're facing right now. There are demonic spirits that are assigned to crush the apostolic spirit that is ready to bring the church into a whole new realm. So the enemy's afraid. He's afraid of what's being birthed right now in the church. And he's trying to stomp it out. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize another apostle, Peter. It was during the Days of Unleavened Bread. So when he arrested Peter, he put him in prison and he delivered him to four squads of soldiers, about 16. These soldiers uh, would, would guard over a period of time. I think it's about four hours at a time. They would take turns. If a Roman soldier was caught asleep on his post, he'd be put to death. So they'd be taking turns. So they're making sure that no one falls asleep, that this, this apostle is guarded, and he's not going anywhere. They intended to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, this word prayer is also the word for worship, so you can read it both ways. Constant prayer and worship was offered to God for him by the church. And Herod was about to bring him out that night, and Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains Between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. This is an amazing start to this chapter. James is killed, but here we find the church still believing for a miracle. I said to you a number of weeks ago that you've got to look again. James has died. No doubt the church prayed and worshipped when he was taken. But now it's Peter's turn. And we find the church worshipping and praying again. And I know there are numbers of people here that you've had dreams and you've heard prophetic words and you've heard that God's about to move. And part of your DNA is, I've heard it all before and it didn't work. And you've allowed discouragement and disappointment to rob you. And what looked fatal isn't fatal. See, the cross looked like it was finished, like God's plan was over. But it was the greatest seed that was ever planted. And some of you have viewed your life through death and disappointment. And you've made a judgment call that God, there was a mistake. That what you thought was God wasn't God. You've had death in your vision and your ministry. And you've given up. But I love this about the apostolic church. It just keeps believing. It keeps believing. It keeps believing. Are you hearing me today? And whatever it is that God's put in your heart, just going to say, God, I just choose to believe. I don't understand. Last year, lots of things happened that I didn't understand, but I made a vow in my heart. God, I choose to believe. I'm getting back up again. I don't know why this, this happened and that happened, but I know that you've placed something deep in my heart that's greater than my misunderstanding and disappointment. And some of you today need to lay down at the foot of the cross your misunderstandings and disappointment. Because God's here again and you don't want to miss out. Are you hearing me? Is that for anyone today? Has anyone had any disappointments? The rest of you are lying. Come on. You've never had a disappointment. Everything's made sense in your life. Well done. Well done, you are good and faithful liar. So, the method of the, de- of the devil in this time is to confine God's church. And that's what he's doing right now. He's, he's wanting the people of God to think that what they've experienced in their past is all there is. So, I see people come into this church and they think they've got a handle on worship, they have a handle on how God works. And they walk into this place and because it doesn't meet their perception of how God works, the church works, they just can't take it. They leave. And I want to encourage you to understand that it's the devil's ploy to confine you to tie you up like he did to Peter. He wants to confine the apostolic. He wants to make you think that the point of coming to church is to sing a few little praise songs to Jesus, tell him your problems and go home, rather than understanding that when we assemble, the devil trembles, that we come as a mighty army, that when we come together to worship, we begin to shift something in the atmosphere. There's great power in corporate worship, that we come beyond our own little needs but we come to engage in holy warfare over a city. We don't allow the devil to confine our worship just to something nice, meek and mild. Is this making sense? We engage. The other thing is that I see about Peter in this is that the enemy wants to confine us to our natural limitations. He's all about confinement. And so we come in a, in a group like this, and in our natural mind, we, we, we may say, what can so few do in such a big task? You know, Andrew talks about changing a city. How can so few do so much? But God is about to show us things to come. He says, call unto me and I will show you greater mighty things that you don't know. The enemy wants to confine you, he wants to narrow your thinking. He wants us to bunker down, he wants us just to focus on our own little life where God's desiring to give you an apostolic mindset. He wants that birth in this church a greater degree of apostolic favour where we see that when we come together, something begins to shift in our city. Hello, you can get excited if you like. I'm just looking for an amen. I'm just looking for a witness. Have I got a witness? And so in this, we see the church begins to pray and worship. And worship will be very much the epicenter of what God does in this city. I have no doubt in my heart. Now, verse 7, it says, Behold an angel of the Lord. See what happens when the church begins to worship? Can you see this? You see, there's something about apostolic worship I'm going to show you as we unlock this that releases angels. And what we need in this city can only be done when God releases the heavenly host to do what we cannot do. We cannot reach this city. We cannot change the fabric of society. We need heavenly intervention. Are you hearing me? And so God's people have always understood that when when we're up against the wall, worship becomes our greatest weapon of advancement. So the angel of the Lord shows up, stands beside Peter in verse 7, and a light begins to shine in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side. It was kind of him, wasn't it? Because he was so deep in sleep. See, the apostolic's not threatened. He's not threatened by all the hosts of darkness. We're not threatened by what's going on in society. And he raised him up and said, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And he did. And he said, put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. So I said that what we see so far is incredible worship begins to be released by the church. And angels are sent from heaven to unlock the apostolic and release a spirit, of a dimension of the apostolic over the church that is going to free a city. Is this making sense? As we worship, something begins to be released from heaven... And I'm not just talking about devotional worship, but I'm going to talk today about prophetic, apostolic worship. As we do that, it unlocks something from heaven that shifts our city. And I'm here to tell you it can be done no other way. So, verse 10. When they were past the first... See, when you see numbers, your spiritual antennas need to rise up. They passed the first and the second guard post. And they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. Now, those that study ancient Jerusalem will tell you that essentially what was being said here is this. Jerusalem was surrounded by three walls. And the prison was on the outer wall. And what he's essentially saying here, the writer, is that Peter went through the first wall, the first gate. There was a guard at the first gate. He went through the second wall, the second gate. And he came to the last wall, which was an iron gate that leads to the city. One wall, one gate. Second wall, second gate. Third wall, an iron gate that opens up the city. Are you hearing this? Yeah. Worship, angels, prophetic, apostolic released. They go through the first wall, the second wall. A huge iron gate that no one can open. It's an iron gate. It's, Im- it's, it's immovable. And it opens up to a city. And this iron gate, we'll see later on, opens by itself. No man can open this gate. It's supernaturally opened by the Spirit. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Keep your antennas tuned. Take it all in. This iron gate needs, and I will explain this to you, it needs the key of David to open it. Yay. It's an iron gate that we cannot open in the natural. I'm trying to get this through to you. You cannot change a city in the natural. You cannot unlock what God needs to unlock in the natural. It's a work of the Spirit, and we need to understand the process, how worship comes to shift a city. Are you hearing me? It's so much more important than just coming to church, singing a few nice little songs. It's when we come to church, we're understanding that God is taking us through a process from gate to gate to gate that opens up a city. Are you hearing me? That's why we come to church on time early, ready to go, like seasoned warriors. I don't need no one to warm me up. I know when I'm coming to church, I'm on an assignment. It's a corporate assignment that we're on. The best is yet to come. I don't want you to misunderstand me about worship today, because I'm going to say some, all sorts of things, but you need to get the context of this message but worship that is devotional what i mean by devotional i mean it's from earth to heaven i love you jesus it's where we express our love towards him it's nice and there's a we will never leave that we, our last song was a devotional worship song and primarily and, and, and please hear me When we build on things, we don't dismiss the first level to go to the second. We build on it, okay? We never leave it. We'll always have devotional songs in worship. But we've become drunk on devotional worship. And so when people come into this context, it freaks them out. Why? Because the the only reference to worship is devotional. But I'm here to tell you that devotional worship does not carry the power or the authority to open the iron gate to a city. If it did, it would be opened. I'll prove it. So just hang on. Don't throw stones just yet. David is the key to this, or the understanding of how David worked. David created a tabernacle. You all know that he had 4,000 Levites that were appointed to worship, and 288 people that were assigned to be prophetic. They would prophesy on their instruments. He was a forerunner in the Spirit. And just a few miles down the road, they were still sacrificing animals and singing to a God that wasn't there. He, was, he actually showed up in David's tabernacle, 24-7 access. Anybody could come in. David was radical. He was a forerunner. He wasn't confined to the expression of worship in the last generation. He was an amazing man. And God gave David a key. Isaiah 22 says it's a key that has the authority to lock and unlock. So to unlock a city, you've got to understand how David did worship because he has the key. And that key of David is also the key that Jesus gives the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. It's the key of David. Isaiah 22, 22 says, The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, and so he shall open, and no one will shut. He will shut and no one will open. So in other words, in the worship ministry of David is a key that unlocks cities yeah. that you can't get any out of the way. David was a priest, a prophet, and a king. The key of David speaks of intimacy, revelation, authority. First gate, second gate, third gate. Priest, prophetic, apostolic. Are you getting this? Is this making sense? David's key carried three dimensions. A priestly dimension, a prophetic dimension, and a kingly or an apostolic dimension. And you need all three to unlock a city. The Apostle Peter goes through one gate. He goes through the second gate. And the third gate, which is an iron gate that unlocks a city, is the apostolic dimension of worship. Are you hearing me? That's why devotional worship never will unlock a city. It'll unlock your heart. See, there are gates in your life. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. It unlocks you, but it can't unlock a city. There is something about the apostolic that when we worship that will unlock a whole dimension over our city that the church is about to discover. We've been confined, but God's unlocking As we begin to worship, God's going to break those chains. Angels are going to come down and they're going to clear a supernatural pathway for you. You can't open the door yourself. Say it with me. I cannot open the door myself. Well, that was pretty good. So there are three dimensions of worship. Can we have that next slide? You might want to write these down. There is priestly worship, which is earth to heaven. It's us to God, intimacy. I love you, Jesus, and Jesus loves me, and we need that. So please don't walk out saying, Pastor Andrew said, we don't need intimacy in worship anymore. I didn't say that, did I? No. Good. All right. I don't want anyone to come up to me after the service. It's earth to heaven, but primarily the church has got drunk on this style of worship. It is... And see thats why people will walk in here or other churches and be confronted because the worship is no longer about earth to heaven, but it's now about heaven to earth. It's about sorry. It's about it's about being a sign from God to shift the city. It takes us from a, a me mentality to a us mentality to God's perspective. It's someone said to me. You know, when I came to this church, I had to grow up in my worship. And that's exactly what it's about. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. It's about, okay, God, you've, you've cleansed me and there's a place for intimacy and being healed and set free. But then God takes us from a priestly role to a kingly role where we begin to understand that we've been given authority to legislate on earth as it is in heaven and shift the environment of the city. God, listen to me, listen carefully, God will hold you responsible for the outcome of this city. You'll go to heaven and say, Lord, I worshipped you and I praised you and I was a good man, a good woman. And God will say, what about the city? What about the kingly anointing that I gave to your church, your life? What did you do with that? Are you hearing me? I hope this is making sense. The prophetic. So we go from priestly worship to prophetic worship. And you would have experienced that in this church where there's a release of revelation. It carries the voice of God or the now of God. So what is God saying right now to the church? So instead of it just being from us to heaven, now all of a sudden heaven's beginning to speak to us. So you will see Karen and other singers, excuse me, they'll begin to decree i oh, sorry, they'll begin to prophesy the word of the Lord. God will begin to speak through the worship. We'll begin to find shifts. Why? Because we're going from priestly to our prophetic mindset. We're beginning to hear what God is saying in our worship. Have you experienced that? Have you seen that? Speak to me. Yeah? Then we've got kingly or apostolic worship, which is heaven to earth. It carries the authority of God, the governmental authority to break through, to establish his kingdom on earth. It shifts every sphere on, of earthly rule. Do you understand that? That's the difference. That's when, and I think we're beginning to go into that. Last week we began to experience that, where we go from not just prophetic, but we begin to proclaim or decree or declare what God has decreed over our city. We begin to hear God's voice, God's rule. He begins to legislate over the city, and we begin to utter that and make decrees and declaration that begin to shift atmospheres over our city, begin to unlock gates over our city. That's when we become a militant army. Let the weak say, I am strong. That word strong means warrior or a tyrant. So we begin to be, begin to enforce that this and as we do that the angels begin to come and they open up iron gates where we couldn't penetrate before the anointing that was on the light horseman To break through at at, uh, at, um, Bathsheba is the same anointing, apostolic anointing that's on the Australian church right now. It's to break through when nobody could get through before. It's not by the size of number. There were 800 men. That's why the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the captain of, of, of all the heavenly hosts. He says, don't worry about your number. Don't worry about your expertise. It's by my my spirit, I will open doors that no man can shut and we begin to see there's an apostolic assignment when we come together where we hear what God is saying, that's the prophetic and the apostolic is where we begin to decree the word of the Lord over our city. that's when the church begins to grow up into its apostolic destiny. Are you hearing me That's not bad, is it? I think it's pretty good. So prophetic worship. Next slide. It it provides... We've got the next slide. It provides insight into the realm of the spirit. It speaks alignment, enlargement, and hope to our future. Prophetic worship begins to reveal the timing and the action regarding heaven's plan. And you'll hear that. In our worship, and even when you're at home, God will begin to speak prophetically through your worship. He'll begin to reveal plans and timing. You'll begin to get a sense of what God is doing. It begins to align the realm with the way this realm with the way things are from a heavenly perspective. And right through the Psalms, you see David in his priestly role. Uh, uh, in, in the Psalms, you see him singing worship songs that are devotional to him. But then we read the Psalms and we see, like Psalm 22, there's a prophetic uh, dimension. This is David singing God's plans and purposes. It begins to hook him with heaven. And this is so important in this time and age that we get the prophetic mind. What is God doing now? What's on God's heart now? So when we come together, church, look at me, when we come together... It's with an aspect of, God, what are you saying now to the church? We get beyond, and please hear my heart, there is time for devotion. There is time for God to minister. But we're beginning to mature here. And we're beginning to understand that God has a word now. God, what's on your heart? You've heard my heart. I've been devotional. Now, God, what's on your heart and mind? What are you, what are you perceiving? What do I need to see when I worship, when we corporately come together? God, what is it that you're saying? Are you hearing me? Do you want that? That's prophetic worship. We come and we begin to seek the Lord. We lay aside the watch or whatever it is, or or I like this song, I don't like that song. We're totally engrossed in finding the mind of God for this moment. Are you hearing me? I don't mean to be mean, but I I just... I shouldn't say that. I, I find it really difficult to deal with people that are so picky and over-worship. I, mean, I just come. And it's just like, ah. God woke me up a number of years ago, and, he, and he, he said, look up Reg Garvin. And I told you this story a few years ago. Reg was a man at one of the churches I went to as a young kid. He was the captain coach of the Saints. Get it? Captain coach of the Saints, AFL, the Saints. And he came to church every week with his wife, and he would dance and worship in the deadest, I shouldn't say that, in a very difficult church. And uh, I looked at him as a young kid and thought, Are you in the same service as me? Can't you see what's going on? And it's just like he was in the zone, he was full of joy, he was worshiping, and I felt God say, and I opened up my, my computer and I looked up his name on the computer, did Wikipedia, and that very day that God woke me up, well, he would have turned 100. And God said to me, I'm raising up the red spirit again. That I'm going to bring people back in the church. And it's going to be like they're totally, their, their mind is totally fixed on me. They are assigned to worship. They are radical in spirit like David. He, was just, he didn't care what people thought. He came to the house of the Lord. He understood the power of corporate worship. See, there's power when we come together. There is a stinking, filthy demonic lie that would bring people, it would come over at people and say, you don't need the church because there's great, Corporate power when God's people come together. Where there are two or three gathered, I'm there in the midst. One will slay a thousand and two will slay ten thousand. There is a multiplication of power when God's people come together. And the enemy is coming to say, you don't need. You know what? He says it's easier to do life outside of church. And it is in some ways. Nobody getting in your face. No one calling you to account. But there's great power. When God's people assemble, the enemy trembles. He trembles when we, are, we understand that we're assigned as an apostolic army. There is incredible power. Yeah. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands the blessing. There's life evermore. There's great power when you come. I don't know what it's a mystical union of the body of Christ. When we come together we become greater than the individual parts. We become the living body of Jesus Christ. He says he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's waiting for all his enemies to be made his footstool. And it's the body of Christ when it comes together that stands on the head of the enemy. And you can't do that individually, my friend. It's the corporate body coming together with an apostolic mindset that will break through the gates. Peter was in prison, but the corporate church came together to worship. They didn't stay home and watch Joyce Meyer. They came together and they worshiped and something broke. Are you hearing me? And it's a lie from the pit of hell that says that you can do it on your own. There is power in corporate worship. So don't let me worship alone. Don't let me do it. Get involved. Get get activated. You hearing me? Hubba hubba. Apostolic worship. We are both a family. But we're also a kingdom. We're a government on the earth. And you need to understand this aspect, which the church, I think, by and large has failed to see. When Jesus called his disciples apostles, he was using that military term. The apostles' role was the enforcer to enforce the new rule in the kingdom. So when the apostle would go into a new realm, he would take the, the rule of his country into that new country and he would demand that all the citizens of that country adopt the practices of Rome, if that be the case. That's the role of the apostle. They are Holy Ghost enforcers of heaven on earth. Not passive, meek and mild, praise to Jesus. No, it's, it's aggressive militant. Some people, I don't like that aggressive militant. Well, my friend, that's what the apostolic's about. It's a breaker anointing that says, mountain, you have to move. And I don't know about you, but the devotional aspect, as powerful as it is, does not carry the anointing to break through. The iron gate is on the third wall, not on the first. And it's an apostolic anointing that kicks down the gate. And little women in their wheelchairs can be just as apostolic as mighty men of valor. It's a spiritual anointing. It's an understanding that says, I am called to be an apostle. The apostolic anointing is paramount to the future of the church and the discipling of nations. Without that, it will not happen. You can put this down in your diary. Andrew McGrath said that a devotional worship mindset will not transform society. It only comes through a prophetic then apostolic mantle. That is the only way. Full stop. When Jesus used the word church, it was the ecclesia, or ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it. They were an assembly of people set apart To govern. And that's the role of the church. When we come together, what is our primary role? Our primary role is to worship Jesus and enforce his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to govern the head and not the tail. We are called to say, over my dead body. It ain't going to happen. And so when we come together, there is a militant expression of his kingdom. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Are you getting this in your heart? I have to calm down. The fire will come out of my eyes. So apostolic worship becomes the vehicle, as we hear the voice of God in the prophetic, to declare the intent of God's heart. The prophetic reveals the intent. And then, see, what gives us power in declaration when we understand what God has already decided? The power of declaration is that God has decreed it. Are you hearing me? When we hear what's decreed in heaven, we declare it on earth and something begins to shift. Some people can say, well, I declare... Well, you know what? What gives your power... What gives your declaration power is what you've heard the Father say. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father doing. I speak while I hear my Father speaking. And so in worship, we begin to pick up the mind of God, the now of God, and then we begin to declare it out, and it begins to shift atmospheres. There is no place for sitting in a pier to sit observing. Don't observe. Hear the voice of God and decree it. Everybody comes to church with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. What's that about? Getting the mind of God during the week. And you come to church and you let it out. You've got to bring something. So many people come to church wanting to receive. You've got to bring a heart full of revelation. And you don't have to stand up here in a microphone. You release it where you are. What gives you revelation and your declaration power is not that it's heard by everyone else, but it's heard in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. David decreed in Psalm 2 over nations and nobody heard him. Except heaven. Are you hearing me? And sometimes we get so obsessed with being heard or seeing, my friend, the point is whether God hears and sees. And they were worshipping and something began to shift in the realm of the Spirit. And I prophesy over this church that as we come into this new realm of apostolic worship, we will see that gate opened over this city. Amen. You will. Yeah. You will. Amen. Oh, look at that. God. Priestly worship is earth to heaven. Prophetic worship focuses on earth on releasing revelation and apostolic worship moves from heaven to earth in the form of a declaration or an announcement. So the next slide, if you're taking notes. The next one again. Apostolic worship calls this realm into order. That's what we're doing. We're saying to this realm, you will come into order right now. Domestic violence will not be changed primarily through people writing petitions and marching. And there's a place for all those things. It will be shifted because God's church says to the spirit realm, you shall come into order. And as we speak, an angel goes before us and opens up the iron gate so the church can come into the city. Let the kingdom come now. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Apostolic worship breaks through all. It's an enforcer of heaven's rule. It displaces all the foreign gods. So when you come into church, that is what's taking place. There is often a progression in worship, devotional, prophetic, into, and really into a place of apostolic understanding where we decree over our city. And that can all take place while you stand in front of your chair. My friend, you shall never come to church again the same. Don't you come to church and just think you're going to do a little devotional on yourself. And, oh, I didn't like that song. My friend, you come armed and dangerous. You come with an assignment from heaven, with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. I've heard from God this week, and I'm going to let out my declaration in the corporate body of Christ. And when I do, something's going to shift. And I'm telling you, some of you will decree that, and you'll open up your newspaper the next week, and you'll see what you decreed done. Are you hearing me? Little old Nancy sitting in the pew with an apostolic armour. She's going to wage war in heaven Amen. and the angels will go before. God showed me in a dream that he's turning everything upside down. And I saw in the spirit myriads of angels coming and taking the enemy bound. See, he's bound the church. Peter was bound in a prison. Thank you, Jesus. See, it's coming right now. Well, that's, that's my timer. It says time's up. All right, come next week. Five minutes to go. I had a staff meeting that said, I'm going to cut my sermons back. And so I put a timer on today just to remind me. So, where was I? What was I saying? Myriads of angels are coming, and where the church is being bound, now the enemy is going to be bound. And I saw them being led out hundreds and hundreds, and angels laughing and rejoicing. What's your mountain today? Is it business, government, family, religion? Whatever it might be, begin to release the decree of the Lord because he's angels. He is the captain, the Lord of hosts. They are ready to war on your behalf if you'll move from the priestly to the prophetic to the apostolic. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 11. Right at the home straight. It gets really quick at the end. And when Peter had come to himself, what was that? He said, now I know for certain the Lord has sent an angel. He's very quick, isn't he? And he has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Where many were gathered together praying as Peter knocked on the door of the gate. A girl, a servant girl, doesn't put that in New King James, it's ashamed of it. But the Greek says, a servant girl, Rhoda. Thank God for Rhoda. Help me, Rhoda. Help. Oh, Rhonda, was it? A girl named Rhoda came to answer and she recognized Peter's voice. Don't miss this. And because of the gladness, she did not open the gate, ran in and told the church, Peter's here. And the church said, We don't believe you. She kept insisting that it's true. And they said it must be an angel. Isn't it funny that we believe in apostles of the past and apostolic moves of the past, just not today. Must be his angel. Oh, that was yesterday. She kept insisting. See, that's what forerunners do. Forerunning churches see before everyone else. Servant girl despised insignificant small she's not even in the prayer meeting she's outside what's the church got servants for? she's hearing what no one else is hearing I've seen Peter the apostle he's knocking he's here and some of us myself included will be almost coerced into going back to devotions devotional aspect but we've sent something coming. He's here. Something's shifting. People say, I don't like that. No, it's not. No, that's not where God's going. You're mad. Look, look at the proof. Nobody's coming. No one's turning up. We go, no, no, no. He's here. The apostolic's here. No, it can't be here. It must be his angel. You're drinking. You've had too much to drink. You need to go out and have a sleep. She says, No, he's here. And that's what's taking place in the church right now. Yeah. We're picking something up in the spirit. And, 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 and I don't mean to be, what's the word? I don't mean to be elite. But the reality is that when you are forerunning in any era, you will be misunderstood. You will be treated like a slave. People will despise you. They still love you. But the wonderful thing about Rhoda is that she was committed to taking the church with her. See, where forerunners go wrong is they say, well, blow you, we'll just have our own party. She keeps going back. No, no, I've heard he's here, he's here. She keeps insisting. Her heart is for the church. She wants to bring the body of Christ into this apostolic movement. And my heart grieves over people that call themselves forerunners, but they look down on the church. They want to disengage from the church. It's his bride. And so our role is to say, look, come and join me. No, all right. Come and join me. No. And keep coming back and calling the church because the city needs all of the church to open the city gate. But God loves the forerunners. There's a special seat in heaven, I think, for forerunners. Thank you so much for seeing what they didn't see. Thank you for taking the shame. Jesus was a forerunner who despised the shame. No, 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 no. Don't go to the cross. Peter said to Jesus "What?" but Jesus is a forerunner and there's a place I can't prove this but I'm sure there's a place where Jesus will stroke out here and say I know you've been battered by that sheep that bites called the church but we love the church go back again tell them I'm here the apostolic's here there's a new way and so when people come in and they don't like what we're doing we don't spit on them i ah, get back to you silly church no we we embrace them. We love them. We try to understand them. We don't know, well, well, you, one day you'll get there, brother. We're not condescending. We, we, we've got a reference. We explain. This is the key of David. You know, your, your model, it's right. But it's just, there's more. That's all we're saying. We're not saying you're wrong. We're just saying there's more. And to reach a city, you've got to have the key. You've got to have the key. That killed a few cows too, didn't it? If you're watching this on the internet, it's for you. We have 2,000 hits a month through our video. And so if it's for you, if you think you're a forerunner, if you think you're out there and the church doesn't understand, you're right and you're wrong. Go back and love them. Verse 19. We've got one more minute. And Herod. We see, and I won't read all the passage, but Herod, essentially, after Peter's released, hear me? After Peter's released, Herod goes off to have a big ceremony and he doesn't acknowledge God. And an angel, maybe the same one that frees Peter, I don't know. But he rocks up on Herod's throne, kicks him on the head, and worms come and eat up Herod. I love that story. (laughs) Why? Why? Because there is a filthy demonic spirit over the city that wants to take out the apostolic church. That when God's people assemble and begin to release the apostolic sound, that spirit that pervades over our city, that brings divorce, destruction, pain, abortion, poverty, sickness, the angel of the Lord is coming after those spirits. And my Bible says in verse 24, And the word of God grew and multiplied. And my friend, I just believe in this apostolic chapter, chapter 12, is a whole revelation of the church coming into the apostolic age where we embrace priestly, prophetic, apostolic anointings that open up the gate to a city. A gate that no man can open, that's opened only by the Spirit. Yes. And we enter in, and the word of the Lord grows and multiplies. So that's what you do when you come to worship. Isn't that amazing? You thought you just came here to listen to songs. But God has a plan. He has a plan to open the gates of this city. Psalms 24. Yes? Who is this king of glory? That's the one, isn't it? Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Has anyone read the Bible here? Yeah, yeah. The Lord's strong and mighty in battle. Open up the gates. And that's what we do when we come together. We are releasing the anointing from heaven to penetrate gates that are shut. There are lots of gates that are shut in this city. Where's the church in government? Where's the church in business? Why is there not one Christian in the top 100 rich people in Australia? Why is there not one? Why, when you look down the list, they all say self-made and not one of them say kingdom-made? Yeah. Why is that? Don't you find that odd? Yeah. Does anyone find that odd? Ah, yeah. oh, no, 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 we're supposed to be poor. No. Is that right? Where's the church in science, in government, in family? Where are we? Open up the gates, Lord, and let the king of glory come in Raise us up. Yeah. The Joseph anointing from the palace. Sorry, from the prison to the palace yeah. in a day. So that's what happens when God opens doors. Yeah. You go from a prison to a palace. It's impossible because the problem is that you're confined at the moment. You can't see beyond your own debt or your own limitations. I struggle with this. I can't see in my own natural ability how I could ever pastor a big church. My mind's too small I know all my faults, and they are many. But that's confined thinking. The apostolic opens gates that causes me to go beyond my own natural ability, like now, to be able to articulate heaven when it's not me. And you're the same. God's given you things that will take you beyond your confinement to open up a whole city for you. Who, me? Yes, you. And it's time for you to get off your butt and take on your apostolic assignment. Stop sucking milk, the devotional worship and the niceties of life and move on to a kingly anointing. That's your calling.